0: I'm hoping that nonprofits in particular across the country are looking at their policies and procedures and saying, do these make sense in the environment in which we live right now?
1: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we have Wendy Frelick. She is Chief Administrative Officer for Mental Health Association Oklahoma, and she is sitting in her bedroom. Um, on a Zoom call as I am sitting in a Zoom call in my bedroom and so Wendy welcome to the mental health download.
0: Thanks so much Matt I appreciate you having me.
1: All right so let's kind of just sort of give people some context about what we're going to be talking about today. So you you have a really good vision of this. So kind of explain what you hope to impart today.
0: You know, I think it's important as we are embarking on COVID-19 to talk about what are the elements that businesses and specifically nonprofits, should be thinking about in terms of their staff, in terms of the work functions that they're responsible for, in terms of social distancing and what that means, in terms of creating a healthy work environment as we embark on this new road for all of us, which has become a bit overwhelming i think i mean so i'm hoping that we can just sort of address some of these things and and talk about the policies and the procedures and how we're all moving forward together to continue to make change but do it in a changing environment
1: yes all right so let's let's start at the beginning you know, at what point did you understand that uh, Covid nineteen was going to be a serious issue? Um, that you, that you knew that at some point this could potentially affect the way that we operate irrevocably?
0: I will say for me, it personally hit reality two weeks ago tomorrow. So two weeks ago on Wednesday, I knew we were going in a direction that was going to formidably change the way we were doing business and change what we expected to be happening in the next three months. And it would have an instrumental and profound effect on how we were moving forward.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, talk about the, uh, I think it was either the morning or the afternoon. I remember you guys being in very serious meetings, um, uh, with Mike bros and kind of making those decisions of, okay, we're going to implement a very serious policy and procedure where we're going to, you know, let everybody work remotely and do everything we can to protect the people we serve. So when did that happen and kind of talk about this policies and procedures that you guys put in place?
0: Yeah, let me give you a little bit background of how that all happened. So we normally every year, the Mental Health Association Oklahoma does a fundraiser in March and two weeks prior to our fundraiser, we had planned a patron party and the night before the patron party one of the chairs of the event emailed us and said i think we need to cancel the patron party there's a lot of concern about bringing people together it was going to be more than 50 people and in fact that stipulation had not come down yet to have less than 50 people come together but there was already concern in the community so we got that email that night Literally between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. that night, there was staff talking. We were talking to our event planner. We were talking to our co-chairs, trying to figure out what the plan was going to be. It was determined the next day that we were going to cancel the patron party. And that really started the conversation about, okay, now how are we going to react to this? Is this all we are doing? And us as senior strategy team, so the chiefs of the organization came together and we said, here's what's coming down the pike. We can all see it. We all know this is going to be bigger than what anyone is imagining right now. And we need to be proactive in ensuring that not only our staff is safe, but the people that we serve are safe. And we serve a lot of people in the community with mental health conditions, many of whom have underlying physical health issues. So it's how can we be smart and ensure their safety while also promoting the safety of our staff. And as we began talking about that piece, it became very quickly apparent that we needed to send our staff that was possible to work from home to do so. But those were the steps that sort of led up to that. And by the end of day that Thursday, we had determined we were stock doing business together in our various office locations.
1: Well, uh, it's been uh, about a week that we've been working remotely. And yesterday morning, Monday morning, uh, we had a very serious and very sobering uh, leadership meeting where all of the the various directors in our organization got together and you guys kind of, everyone got a chance to explain how we're continuing to serve the people we serve. So, Explain some of those the things that have come up that we've had to address to maintain the the quality of service that we ensure.
0: So I would love to start by talking about some things that we've changed, right? Okay. So we um, have closed our drop-in centers. We have two drop-in centers for people with mental illness, substance use disorders, people who've been criminal justice involved. We have closed those down again partly because those are very well attended. You're talking about 50 to 70 people in a house at one time, and you're putting them at risk every time we have large groups together. So th- those have been shut down. We have our homeless outreach teams who go out and try to work with people who are living on the streets and encampments, You know, going to other homeless provider facilities, We've really tried to limit their engagement with people face to face. And if they do go out, we're talking about social distancing. We're talking about being cognizant of people's space and where they are. We're making sure that our mobile medical team, which offers home-based physical healthcare services, We're asking them to leave prescriptions or prescription medications on people's doorsteps and then knock and have them come out and get it, not go into people's apartments. They're doing a lot of telemedicine right now. So what can they do over a video camera? So we've put a lot of things in place to limit people's social interactions. Where we are not able to do that is in our 24-hour sites. So we have two apartment complexes and a house that we own where one of them is congregate living so they don't have individual bedrooms and then our other two have people have their own individual apartments but there's congregate living space so what we're doing in those places is we are saying okay we don't want anyone from the outside that isn't normally there to enter and we are trying to limit tenants exiting from the apartment complexes and the congregate living environment that's been extremely difficult but i also think that those are our most at-risk sites if something happens at one of those sites it could be devastating so we are figuring out every day what that means so you asked the question of give me an example of where something happened so i was on a call last week and someone said and one of our staff is going to go over and get files and i said wait a minute we can't just go over and get files we have to think about what our policy is right now which is no one that's not normally there can enter the building and so how do we get those files to that person in a different way than we normally have and again everyone completely understood and everyone was on board and but it's just getting it ingrained in staff to think we can or cannot do this or we need to be thinking about can, does this make sense? Does it follow our new policies and procedures? Which again, I'm hoping that nonprofits in particular across the country are looking at their policies and procedures and saying, do these make sense in the environment in which we live right now?
1: What websites or resources would you direct nonprofits to be looking to for those best practices for guidance?
0: You know, I think that's interesting. So Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits, so if anyone that is a member of Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits, they are doing a weekly Zoom call or a Zoom video call to talk about those particular issues. So for instance, last week they had one and there were a lot of questions going, You know, should we postpone our fundraising event? Should we continue to have it? How should we be looking at having our meetings? What are our options out there? It was a real nice place for everyone to come together, put their questions out there, and then people who had experience to respond to those questions. I don't think there's one good one-stop shop right now to say we have the answers to everything. But what we're looking at is what is the CDC saying? What are their recommendations in terms of social distancing, in terms of how many people should be in a meeting, in terms of how do we keep each other safe, in terms of staying home when you're sick, right? So let's start with those fundamentals, and then let's say then what business strategies do we need to implement in order to ensure that we are looking at those pieces? I think there's a lot of good resources out there, but again, I don't think there's a one-stop shop.
1: One of the interesting things that came out of that leadership meeting yesterday morning is that Mike Bros, our CEO, he said, and this is really hard because we, we hire some of the most compassionate people that I will ever know. And he basically said, don't be a hero you know um and that was i think that kind of was very sobering of like yeah we yeah we have to take care of ourselves so we can continue to take care of others so talk about how the different conversations have been about ensuring that people understand not to cross that line of that could endanger themselves and others
0: so we see that that's an everyday battle within our organization for exactly why you just said, we all care so much. I went to Walker Hall yesterday, which is our transitional living environment for people between the ages of 18 and 24. And I couldn't go in there because I'm not allowed in there. I'm not a regular staff person at that site. I cannot go inside right now. That's really hard. I love going in that facility. I love talking to all the residents that are living there and find out what's going on and what's new and let's chit chat. can't happen. But that goes across our entire organization right now. You talked about our CEO, Mike Rose. He went to Altamont, dropped off some supplies outside. He was not allowed in the building right now. He's not a normal staff person in that building. That is extremely difficult for us, not only from your your chief level staff, but all the way down to our frontline staff, who are so used to talking to people face to face, working with them with their problems, working with them toward their goals and what they want to achieve. And we take such pride in doing that. So it's just us remembering that if we're not healthy, again, as you said, We can't help anyone else. And right now, the best way to help people is from afar. I'm looking at you over a video screen right now. Man, Matt, you give the best hugs. I miss your hugs, but I want you (laughs) You to stay healthy and I want me to stay healthy so we can continue to do podcasts and get them out to our audience who I hope take some peace in hearing our voices. So again, we can't do our jobs if we're not taking care of ourselves.
1: Right on. Um, okay. So, um, another point that was made that was very encouraging and uplifting, I think to everybody on that call was that, um, Mike was explaining how supportive our funders have been, um, talk about, you know, just sort of those conversations that you've had, um, out in the community with people checking in on us and, and some of their encouraging words.
0: We have amazing supporters from our board to our advisory council members, to our funders, to our volunteers. People care about us as people and what we're doing. And I think that is shown every single day. Mike was saying it comes from texts that he's received. I've seen the same thing and people reaching out to me. We know we've gotten in some gifts to help us through COVID-19, specifically with costs associated with serving the people we serve during this time. I will say though, and I think other nonprofits would say the same thing. The concern is what about those unrestricted gifts that we normally receive That support the infrastructure and general operations of our organization And I just talked to our chief financial officer this morning and she was talking about what we got in unrestricted gifts in January versus what we got in February and that was an extreme decrease And I imagine from February to this month, it's going to be even more of a decrease. So then the question is, how can we continue to keep our funders engaged so they understand that this need isn't going to end and we will continue to have to, again, pay for our infrastructure so that we, like so many small businesses, can survive this epidemic?
1: Yeah. Um, shameless plug go to mhaok.org forward slash donate and give what you can Um, those gifts mean so much now more than ever so
0: Every dollar um, matters. Every does. dollar matters.
1: Yes. Okay. Um and so the the next section I want to talk about is you as a human being and me as a human being, we are both parents and we are continuing to do our jobs from home and but we also have children. <laughs> you know, I have three kids outside my bedroom door who are hopefully <laughs> hopefully doing positive things. We I um so my wife is amazing as you know and so she um she actually created a uh, an activities list like a schedule hour by hour for our, our kids and i thought that they would like ball it up and throw it away, but they have really embraced it because they're used to being in school and they're used to that regimen. And I went out there yesterday uh, to the living room and uh, two of my kids were doing a, a yoga video on YouTube. And it was you know, I was like, you go guys. Like I would just be, you know, still in my pajamas, eating cereal, watching cartoons if I was them. But they're actually doing really um, productive and taking good care of their mental health. so talk about first you as a parent and then you know how your kids are doing.
0: So I'll say as a parent it's been extremely difficult. I have probably put in more hours in the last week and a half than I, I know I put in more hours in the last week and a half than I normally do. Um, we, I was on the phone last night with our CEO at 10 p.m. This is just the reality of what we are dealing with right now. So being a fully focused mom, has definitely taken uh, a sidecar to my main vehicle, which is making sure that we are keeping people within the association safe. So I'm struggling with that a little bit. I also know I have good kids. They are smart kids last week it was actually spring break i said i'm not messing with spring break you are allowed to have that and have that break from school we are now into what should be a school week and i have transitioned by making my eight-year-old read 30 minutes a day (laughs) in some ways there's only so much i can do but i will say i was really concerned about um the social isolation You know, for them, that just isn't real. He's on his PlayStation right now with his headset on, talking to his friends. It's as if they're sitting next to him on the couch. They're able to have this connectedness that me as a kid, I did not have. If my friend was not with me, there was no communication with my friend. Uh, My other son is 14, and it came down from... um, Dr. Faust one day in one of the press conferences that he said, I don't think you should even be having play dates. This is how serious this is. So I just flippantly said that to my 14-year-old. He has not had a a play date, quote unquote, since. He has not had a kid over here since. And I will tell you, we live in a really tight-knit community. There are kids in and out of our house all the time. And he took that to heart. He thought, nope, we're done with this. So, I think they are all thinking on their own. How can I be proactive during this time? Not so much my eight year old, but he's still staying socially connected. But my 14 year old is very much thinking how can we continue to stay engaged with each other, but not be with each other? And it's a team effort. You talked about your lovely wife who is amazing. I have an amazing husband who's also working from home right now. And it's a tag team effort to make everything work. And I hope. I hope families across the country are finding a way to make it work and to not feel guilty about the strains that are occurring during this time.
1: Nice. Okay, so this last section, I want to focus on the silver lining of this crisis that we're in and that we are sort of reinventing our business model on the fly and some really cool things are actually coming about. And yesterday, the big thing and the media, thank you, everybody in the media, uh, really embraced this is that we launched our virtual support groups um, that we're going to be offering. You know, uh, Talk about some of those really innovative things that we're doing using technology to continue serving the people who need our help.
0: There's so many, right? I mean, Let's just talk about our meetings. Going from two weeks ago, seeing each other face-to-face to last week and the beginning of this week, we were doing conference calls. You talk about our leadership meeting, which has 60 people in attendance on the conference call yesterday. Next week, we're doing that via video conference. So we'll all be able to see each other at 8.45 in the morning on Monday. It'll be fabulous, but again, it's as important for us as it is for our kids to still have social connectedness. To see you on the screen right now makes me so happy. It always brings a smile to my face when I see one of my staff and I'm like, hey, we're, we're here, we're together. Not really, but it virtually and it feels good. Um, our, we talked yesterday about going virtual with our support groups. And I said, I don't know why we didn't do this, years ago right this allows more people to join us from across the state and beyond in our virtual support groups let's all get together on zoom let's all see each other let's have the same comforting conversations and helpful conversations but let's broaden who can be a part of that and let's all come together and i think that's critically important as we say what are those next steps to us achieving not only our mission, but being there for one another. I had an email yesterday from our homeless outreach provider. She was, can we still take donations? And what does that mean for us? Right. But even the fact that we need to think about that. And I said, we can still take donations. And I gave her some options about how to handle those donations. We went back and forth in a couple emails. She had a plan. That's what it's about. And I think when we talk about nonprofits, particularly as we move forward, it's looking at your policies and procedures and saying, do they make sense right now? And if they don't make sense, they can be rewritten. You can create new policies and procedures. We've written entire plans in the last week to say, if this happens, this is how we will respond. If this happens, this is how we will respond. And I think it's preparing and being ready for that next step. And it's always about reaching out. Who who are your resources? Who can you reach out to? I'm definitely a resource. If people have questions, they can contact me. I am happy to provide some steps in ensuring that we're doing the right things and we are thinking outside the box in terms of what we're doing and how we're delivering services and how we're helping the people we serve every day.
1: That's beautiful. Okay. Uh, So as we do at the end of every podcast, we have our guests share a bit of wisdom and then uh, give our rallying cry, go do good things. So Wendy, thanks for being here and take it away.
0: Thanks, Matt. I think my wisdom for today is be kind, be kind to yourself Be kind to the people that work for you. Be kind to the people that are doing extremely hard jobs right now, our service delivery people, the people in our grocery stores, the people that are... Packaging Amazon packs and getting them out the door. I mean, there are so many people who are working so hard right now to keep our world moving, and we are so desperate for them to be working. I think that's really important. So, any way you can show kindness, send a card to an older adult that you know, let them know that you're thinking about them. It is time just to take a moment and say, what can I do? And I know we talked about giving, if you can't give money, that's fine. There's so many other ways you can bring people together. We're seeing it all over virtually right now. People bringing song groups together, people playing music in their homes and sharing it live for people to watch, people doing yoga, people doing meditation, engage in those things. Become a part of the bigger, even if you're a bit more isolated right now. So with that, I say, be kind, go do good things, and I thank you all for everything you're doing to keep us going.